Chiefs rookie minicamp is complete, and now we get ready for the next round of off-season workouts the following week. Here to talk about spring football practice on Sportsbeat KC for Monday, May 17th, with me, Blair Kirkhoff, are Chiefs beat writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell. They took in rookie minicamp, so they got to see the draft class and other first-year players in actions, and they share their impressions. There's also been some player acquisition news, the addition of three veterans on the defensive side for depth. We break it down. After a break, you'll hear what Andy Reid had to say about the first phase of camp, and you'll also hear from Chiefs' first draft pick, linebacker Nick Bolton from Missouri. Of course, he was taken in the second round, but he was the Chiefs' first draft pick. So let's get started talking Chiefs. Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell are here to talk Chiefs after rookie minicamp. It's concluded, and it was different for 2021 simply by having it, Herbie. Uh, that was that was a big advantage. I got to think a big advantage for the draft class and for the first-year players that were in camp this week. They got to see you know, the practice facility, Arrowhead Stadium, that sort of thing. That didn't happen last year. Yeah, I think it's more important for the coaching staff as well. When you think about rookie minicamp, the biggest thing that Folks have to remember, don't get caught up on video clips or someone catching the football in basically seven-on-seven drills and even on air is the fact that the coaching staff has the opportunity to bring the rookies from the draft class as well as undrafted rookies and introduce them to expectations, standards, the key thing, the playbook. Uh, they go through various install periods after classroom environments and For this year, it was unique because this was the first time that the coaching staff had the opportunity to get their hands on them. You know, they didn't see them at the combine. They didn't see them for uh, any uh, pre-draft visits, and they couldn't hold any pre-draft workouts because of the COVID protocols in place. So this was huge for the coaching staff. And Andy Reid even said that when I asked him that question yesterday, what is the biggest benefit this year compared to last year's draft class? And he mentioned that the fact that they have the opportunity now to absorb everything that's expected of them before they combine with the veterans for OTAs. He seemed pretty happy with the way things went. Of course, he's going to say that no matter what, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but he, he did seem genuinely happy with it. And he sounded like a coach who got to work with players and that's what Andy Reid wants to do anyway. The, the, the one player that I think people wanted to see the most uh, was not somebody from this year's rookie class, but last year's rookie class, and that's Lucas Niang, uh, the guy who opted out a year ago. And there was some buzz in social media that he came back to to camp out of shape. But I, I don't know. After listening to Andy Reid, it was just he's he's a big guy, right? He's got a gut. He's a big guy. I don't know if he's shaped any differently than he was a year ago when he did come for at least a couple of days before deciding to opt out. Did, um, what did you make of just seeing Lucas Niang for the first time? Sam, I think Sam's probably best to answer that one because he was actually out there for a uh, Friday's practice and, and take it away, Sam. Yeah. I mean, um, the first thing that was most interesting about Lucas Niang is he lined up at right tackle, um, because he's a guy that spent last year, he said, preparing to play for basically every position, but center on the offensive line, he was training at tackle and guard on both sides of the line. He thought 
Um, last year when he left the team, he thought he might be needed as a guard. And he comes back to a completely different offensive line, of course, this year. Um, so they've got him at right tackle. Uh, but I asked Andy Reid about the shape he was in, and he he said uh, he actually came in better shape than he came in last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, for anybody that looks at him, and and he, he is just – I actually – you know, there's there's only three or four of us standing out at practice, and one of them's Adam Teicher from ESPN who used to work with us. And I, I actually did look at Adam at one point. I said, Lucas Niang is a large individual. Even for an NFL football player, he stands out. Um, it's not just that he's big, but he's very tall as well. And it, even for like six, seven, he looks long, even for that, um, with, with his arms. So, uh, it's funny because going into this year's draft, you heard so much about, uh, guys arm links, uh, because the, the tackles in this year's draft class, there was some concern that they, their arms were too short and Lucas Niang doesn't fall into that category at all. So Brett Beach even mentioned the tackles arms at one point. And uh, so you can see why, you know, that Niang maybe fits the the, the type of guy they were looking for if, if they feel like he can develop. Um, of course, this guy hasn't played an NFL snap in, in ever. What I, I guess my bottom line on Lucas Niang is whatever you thought of him going into camp, that didn't change based on eyeballs on him, you know, over the three-day weekend. Now, look, there's many more opportunities to – see the Chiefs and Yang over the next uh, month. But just by seeing him, and they didn't do much in, in, in practice. They couldn't because of the numbers. I, I read Herbie's story. There were only 29 first-year players there, uh, which, which is much lower than what we've seen in past years. But whatever you thought of Lucas Niang going into this thing, no reason to change your opinion coming out of it. No, I mean, I only, they only had four offensive linemen there. So, I mean, it's it's nothing like a, a true practice that uh, that we're used to. Yeah, the, the key thing with rookie minicamp, because 29 in a traditional year is extremely small. Uh, what teams tend to do for rookie minicamp is they'll have a host of uh, rookie or, excuse me, tr tryout players. This year, because of the NFLPA and NFL's agreement, with the COVID protocols in place, each team was limited to just five invites. So, you know, Reed kept mentioning, you know, we weren't un we weren't able to do 11 on 11s, but that's true because of the numbers just don't add up. Four offensive linemen, three linebackers, uh, you know, two quarterbacks, which is typically standard for a rookie minicamp. But the interior line, you know, because of the, the limitations on the numbers, they just couldn't do it. But you could certainly get seven on sevens, uh, air on air drills, which, which they ran a lot. Dalton Chain was one of those guys, right? One of those invitees. Uh, yeah, Kansas, yeah. Kansas State, Blue Valley Northwest. It was, and we heard from him yesterday. It was, it was neat to hear from from Dalton Chain and a uh, guy who was in the Chargers camp last year was one of the invitees to the Chiefs camp. Yeah, Dal uh, you know, Dalton Schoen kind of fits both uh, Herbie's and and me because Herbie's the K State guy, but but Dalton was a former Kansas City Star Scholar Athlete of the Year in 2015. Um, so that that's his real claim to fame, not this Chiefs yeah. tryout. I mean that that'll always be at that top of that guy's resume. <laughs> hey, he's not a tryout; he's actually signed. He's, he was a reserve future contract guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So maybe he is trying out. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know what's what's interesting about Dalton's story, and uh, both of you guys already know this, but in case somebody else does, I mean, the guy had to walk on at K State and earn his spot there, and becomes a very productive player at Kansas State. I think he had what over fifteen hundred yards in his career there, and 
Um, again, I asked him about this yesterday, but it's he's in a very similar spot now. He's he's kind of already been through this, where where nobody expects him to be a guy that that makes an impression and and earns a spot. So, I mean, of of course, he's a long shot, knowing uh, you know the, the the fact that, like Herbie said, he signed a futures contract back in January. Um, but I mean, it, it's a good story, and it's like he's a guy who's overcome the odds once before. Yeah, and K State is famous for walk on players. One of the greatest, Jordy Nelson, baby. Oh, no. Kansas State's made a living off uh, invited walk-ons who a couple of would B.J. Finney, another one who ended up in the NFL. And Dalton, um, just a good story and uh, good, good luck to him. I hope it. Uh, um, I hope he ends up, you know, maybe make the practice squad or something. You know, it'd be, it'd be good to see him uh, stay in, in pro football. Hey, let's before we move on from rookies, I, I want to ask about one more. And Sam, you, you wrote about him, and I, I, I really liked his sort of change in attitude. And that's that's Trey Smith, the offensive lineman who was really ticked off about his draft position. But we didn't hear that attitude, I guess, uh, when we talked to him this weekend. Yeah, when we talked to him the first time, uh, which was literally just moments after he had been drafted his answers were short and I just thought it was obvious. It was because he was really upset that he had fallen to the sixth round. You know, he had this blood clot issue in college in 2018, didn't experience it for the past two years. And he was so concerned that 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 was going to happen to him, that he explained to teams ahead of time, I've got this under control. I've got a new medication. It's all good. And the chiefs doctors agreed. And Brett Veach said, we feel like we're more careful than anybody with stuff like this. And we've still thought that this guy was fine. Um, if that's the case, I feel like they got to, they got to steal out of Trey Smith. But to your point, Blair, I mean, we, t- I felt like we talked to a different guy over the weekend than what we had talked to on, on draft day, because he was optimistic. He had just decided this is the best situation he feels like he could be in um, regardless of where he was taken. He likes the team he's on. He likes the coaches he's with. Um, so I, I just, I, your, your phrase was exactly right. Just, just, just change an attitude from the guy that we saw the first time we talked to him on a zoom call. Sam brings up a very good point about, you know, Brett Veach saying that the medical staff, he, he feels like they're well equipped to deal with these kinds of medical issues because they've experienced it. You know, in 2015, Tavon Rooks, the heart attack in training camp because of blood clots. So, you know, the, that they really understand this, the situation. A lot of the medical staff is still in place from Dr. Monaco and, and, and uh, Rick Burkholder. So if anyone's going to do their due diligence on past medical issues, dealing with, with blood clots and anything that can affect the heart, it certainly is going to be the Chiefs. Okay, before you guys get back to work, let's talk about uh, some newcomers to the Chiefs. We had no, finished, uh, no, no sooner finished taping the podcast last week when the Chiefs announced the the trade that brought uh, Mike Hughes, cornerback from the Vikings, to Kansas City, um, you know, just based on the terms of the deal, uh, Chiefs get Mike Hughes and the Vikings' seventh-round pick next year. The Chiefs gave up their sixth-round pick for next year. That makes it seem, seem to me like the Vikings were getting anything they could for Mike Hughes, a player who – former first round draft pick, but has really been, been unlucky with injuries, but what's the future for Mike Hughes in, in 2021, Herbie? How, how, what's his, where's he going to play? 
I think if anything, it's it's a good low risk, high reward move for the Chiefs. I mean, you only gave up a six round draft pick, and you get Hughes, like you mentioned, a former first round and a seventh. That's fantastic value for a former first round pick. With the Vikings, Hughes became expendable, like you know the injuries, but they also went all in on Patrick Peterson, a two time All Pro cornerback, and that made Hughes expendable. And they certainly signaled their intent when they didn't exercise the fifth year option. I like this move because you get the depth. Uh, and not, as of, as you look at the roster right now, you've got two former first-round draft picks at the cornerback position with Hughes and DeAndre Baker. And if either of those two pan out, you've got some good quality cornerbacks for the Chiefs with Ward projected to start, Legereus uh, Sneed projected to start. Now you've got two first-round draft picks that you can kick the tires on and see how they do this year. Yeah, the, the injuries, he tore an ACL his, his first year, his sixth game, after returning a touchdown, interception for a touchdown in his very first NFL game. And then he's been dealing with a neck injury each of the past two seasons. So a little bit unlucky with the injuries. And when you think about the draft position the Chiefs gave up, think about this. Look, if the Chiefs, you know, do what we expect them to do and end up with, you know, draft pick anywhere from 30 to 32 next year. And the Vikings end up somewhere in the middle of their draft round. The chiefs really only gave up what, maybe 15 draft spots or something yeah. to trade for him. So um, this, this could turn out to be a good, really good move for the chiefs. Uh, another, another defensive back that they signed uh, or they, they acquired was um Parks uh, from uh, from from Denver. What um, uh, I, I did not know much about him. I think he made most of his bones on special teams. Will Parks played safety for the Broncos. He spent his first four or five years with Denver. Went to the Eagles, then returned to Denver, and was was available. Plays uh, he's he's played in seventy two NFL games, eighteen starts. Um, it, it, they just took a flyer on this guy. I think it's death. You know, they needed. They needed death at the safety position because they, they didn't draft one. But the interesting thing about Parks, you know, from talking to Ryan O'Halloran, who covers the Broncos for the Denver Post, a fellow K-Stater, he was telling me the thing with the unique thing about Parks is his ability to play a lot inside. So, you know, they, when he came back to the Broncos last year, Ryan was telling me they, they didn't utilize him so much at safety. They used him a lot against the uh, word I'm looking for. The slot receiver, there we go. So he was always inside. So he, he's a, an interchangeable piece. We know Steve Spagnuolo loves those first, those versatile safeties, and that's what Parks gives them. Okay. Uh, again, adding to the defense, uh, Kamale Correa, Sam. Tell us about him and what, uh, what, do you, what do you think he brings? Yeah, I mean, uh, versatility is also part of his game, too. I mean, um, he's a guy that can rush the passer a little bit from the linebacker position, so I – um, you know, he is a linebacker, but I, I kind of wondered based on the Chiefs' needs if they feel like maybe he's a guy that can that can help off the edge because that's a that's a spot where I still think they need another body. Um, you know, he, he is in his career best year, I think it was 2019, um, with the Titans. He he had five sacks. He is a former second round pick. So again, we're going to back to a guy that in the, leading into the, the draft, teams felt like he had a lot of potential. And just hasn't quite lived up to that. And, and maybe the Chiefs feel like, you know, that they can get him in the right scheme and with the right coaching and the right position that that he can live up to that potential that he had. Um, 
coming out of uh, Boise, uh, Boise State, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Boise, Boise State. State um, five years ago. Tell you what, that's a that's a Brent Beach special, isn't it? He he loves the former first, second round pick guys. It didn't uh, didn't for whatever reason didn't work out with their original teams, and um, and it's it's worked out pretty well for him uh, with uh, with the Chiefs. So. Yeah, and you know Correa was a guy that also had a really good AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, with of, of course all the the, the Chiefs' eyes, uh, front office and coaches. Um, on him. So um, you do wonder Titans, how much. Right. It, yeah, when he was with the Titans, that's right. Um, so you do wonder what kind of impression that made on the Chiefs coaches. I mean, of course, they watch film of every game this guy's played. But I mean, when, when you see him up close and personal and he has that kind of day, I mean, I think he had 11 tackles that day. Um, I'm sure that that made an impression on him. Yeah, and also the post game. Remember, there's, there's shots, video, and, and photos of Andy Reid shaking his hand at the end of the game. So, you know, he certainly made the impression. Okay, before we get out of here uh, and hear some uh, from some hear from some Chiefs, let me get your just quick impressions on on two things. One is uh, Bashard Breeland. I does just doesn't seem like he's going to be back with the Chiefs next year, Herbie. I, you know, and I'm, I'm starting to really think that as well. When when you think about it, we're now in May. Uh, you know, he's had his shot at free agency three straight three straight off seasons. And he hasn't had that big deal yet. Uh, the Chiefs haven't made a, a move to bring him back that I'm aware of. Uh, the, the fact that they traded for Mike Hughes says a lot. It really does. Um, I don't know if he's going to be back. I would be very surprised if he's back. Yeah, he's like the, the poster child for the proven contract, right? Um, he is uh, the, the one-year proven contract. Sounds like that's the that's what's left for him uh, for this for this season. And it won't be in Kansas City. And Sam, how about uh, a little bit of a dust-up on social media about uh, Tyron Matthews' contract extension? Tyron Matthew tweeted something about, uh, you know, he, he maybe showing a little bit of impatience here, but I don't know. I, th- I think it's something that's going to get done. I, there's, no, there's no way the Chiefs don't think of him as a, a priority. He's, he's the defensive Patrick Mahomes as far as I'm concerned. You know, it was about this time last year, Blair, that Chris Jones tweeted something about the fact that he might not be back because he hadn't heard from the Chiefs at all. Um, you know, last offseason, the Chiefs did Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey and uh, Chris Jones, and those all came later in the offseason, especially the Mahomes and Kelsey deals. And those are most similar to the position that Tyron Matthews in with an extension. So, I know it's May 17th and the Chiefs have had so much happen in the offseason already, but it's actually kind of early for that extension talk with guys that you already have under contract. Of course, that comes last in the um, in the pecking order for a reason. I mean, you've got to get your draft picks. You, you're concentrated on free agency. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I still think that they should be optimistic that that's going to happen, even if the player is expressing a little impatience with it. I tend to agree with Sam there as well, because Mahomes wasn't done until July. Uh, Chris Jones was done like maybe a week, two weeks before Mahomes, if I'm not mistaken. And Kelsey wasn't done until August, because I remember we were in a sports me conference call when that happened. (laughs) (laughs) I had to bring that one up, Herbie, huh? Um. All right, guys. Uh, Great conversation. We're going to take a break. When we come back, you'll hear from Andy Reid and Nick Bolton. Hey, it's Blair. 
we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash SportsBeatKC offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Listen, it was, it was uh, great to be able to get back on the field uh, with players. Um, what a good group, man. These guys, it wasn't as big a group as we normally have for the rookie minicamp, but boy, did they uh, work hard and um, really did everything we asked them to do. And uh, Brett's brought some good talent in here to where we could have a good camp. We did a lot of seven on seven. Uh, we were able to hit the red zone today and um, seven on seven. Uh, didn't have enough linemen to go through um, an ac- actual team period, but uh, what we got done uh, was tremendous. And uh, um, th- these guys absorbed it, which was uh, it was a real pleasure to coach them. And um, again, I just appreciate the you know the quality of the player and their their effort as they put as they got into this. Anyways, with that time, yours. Go first to Herbie Tob. Go, Herbie. Hey, coach. Good afternoon, Herbie. You mentioned um, the lack of a of your, the opportunity to have the players back here uh, for rookie mini camp, and when you compare it to last year without a rookie mini camp, what is how much of an advantage does this year's draft class have? You know, as far as the acclimation and learning process compared to last year. And I have another question after this. <laughs> Yeah, so listen, I, I just think uh, you, you want to go into training camp uh, with an understanding. So of the new things that you study and, and experiment with, uh, you know, uh, as coaches and then on the field uh, as players um, uh, to make yourself better uh, this next year. So uh, that's what this did. This gave them an opportunity now to hit phase two when the veterans are here. Uh, with an understanding of, of a base understanding of what's going on. They're going to have to strap it on when the, when the veterans get in because it, it's gone fast. We're already four installs into, into it, uh, and they're going to have to catch up, and the number of plays and all those things are going to have to catch up. But at least they have a foundation. Um, and, and then I'd say the same thing for the veterans when uh, they're able to get on the field. Now they've, they've done this in the classroom now. Now it's an opportunity to get out and, and walk through it, uh, and then jog through it and then run it. And uh, those steps become uh, important um, when, when, you know, when you go into training camp. It gives you an opportunity to be better. Now, Nick Bolton, your second-round draft pick, obviously he doesn't have pads on yet, but how much does he come as advertised from what you've seen over the last three days? Yeah, I'll tell you now. He, he had a nice interception today, actually, um, right, right in the red zone. So um, – He's uh he's tiger tough man. I mean he's, he's out there battling and, and you have to love it. He he's got great instincts. He's very intelligent. Did a nice job. Now we're in shorts and he's a he's a linebacker. So I mean uh, I I know he probably can't wait till we start hitting and that. But for this drill for the drills here, he sure did a nice job. Let's go ahead, Haley Lewis. Go ahead, Haley. 
Hey coach, just wanted to follow up on what Herbie was saying about how beneficial it was to have the players actually on the field this year versus virtual and kind of what, what was the benefit of that this year versus last? Yeah. So again, just uh, the fact that you have an opportunity to go to the next phase. So they'll start phase two tomorrow. There's not a whole lot of rest here. They get, get to rest up and get off their feet this afternoon, but then they're right back at it. Uh, tomorrow. And then listen, tomorrow phase two is mostly lifting and, and, and doing that. But uh, there's a little bit on, on the field work where you can kind of go through some things uh, uh, shortly. I mean, they're, they're short. It's a short day on the field. Uh, but for, for the young guys, just getting, uh, they're, they're now going to get acclimated to the four installs that the offense has had and the six installs that the defense has had and so on. They're, they're going to, they're going to get all of that. They're going to have to kind of catch up to it and then they'll get some extra time. The rookie that the rookies get, they get extra time, uh, tomorrow and they'll get a little bit more, uh, coaching, uh, virtually there that, um, and get caught up mentally at least. Let's go ahead, Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. Hey, Andy, um, I wanted to ask you about a, a guy like New, Lucas Niang, who's coming back off of, um, of the opt-out, obviously. Um, there's probably some challenges involved for him, but are there any benefits for a guy in his situation that you see coming back, maybe sitting out that last year? And um, Brad, I'll have a second question as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, the, the pluses are he was able to uh, keep himself COVID-free. And uh uh, but most of our guys did. So, I, I mean, my credit goes out to everybody that was involved with that. But um, he, he, um, he, you know, he's done, he's done a nice job in this camp, Adam. I mean, he, he's, he's, a, he, he's a big man, like really a big man that has these beautiful feet. So I look forward to getting him back in the pads and training camp and moving around and, <clears throat> and doing uh, uh, what offensive linemen do, the real football part of it. Um, but – Till then, this gives him a chance to get acclimated uh, uh, mentally and physically as he goes forward. So, I, I think that's a it's a good lead up for him. In his case, did you see any rust this weekend? Could you tell? Hey, this is a guy who's been out of football for a year. And if you could, how did you see that? Well, you can tell he's worked. The the thing with this, Adam, is um, there wasn't. There was no offense versus defense uh, with the with the lines, so we didn't have one on ones or any of that. And and he had done all that during training camp. So, uh, like all players, it's going to be a that'll be a challenge down the road for him to get back into that. But for right now, he looked he looked tremendous for what we were doing. Good recall there. Let's go next to Harold Coons. Go ahead, Harold. Hey, Andy, I want to ask you about Cornell Powell, uh, specifically along with Trey Smith. I noticed that you took some extra time looking at them, kind of exchanged a little word with them while they're going through the reps. I'm just curious, what do you kind of say to them to try to call them down? Because they always kind of mention like, well, that's a that's a Hall of Fame coach there. You know, it's a little bit, I, I wouldn't say intimidating, but it's a little bit of a mesmerizing thing for them to say. What do you say to them to kind of call them down and get them? going and what do you what are you impressed by them both yeah i mean listen both of them just want to get better um and, and mike kafka does a great job with that i mean he he spends a ton of time with those guys the young guys and just um uh, you know he spends a ton of time with the quarterbacks but it, that's one of those positions though that when you start fresh uh and in one case when you have a player that's never called a play in the huddle or uh you know period since high school college he's never had to get in the huddle and and nail it down for the guys. So 
uh, it takes a ton of time. And Mike's got the patience to do that. And he did, I thought he did a tremendous job with those young guys to get them right. Uh, plus, the more they know, the calmer they are. It doesn't matter who's around them. I'm not, I'm not playing. I'm not the, the secondary. I'm not the linebackers. And, and so uh, get to know what you need to know and let, let's go. And then, uh, you know, you know that, that's a blessed room right there. They've got some good, good coaches in there. Obviously, Eric's in there every day. And, um, you know, David Garrardi's in there too. So it works out well. They, they, there's plenty of coaching going on. Right, we've got two more. We'll go Pete and then Sam. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Coach, wanted to ask you about the fourth-round defensive end. Joshua Kendo, what gives you and the defensive staff optimism that he could potentially be a contributor in his rookie season here? Yeah, he, uh, well, we'll see. We'll see how it all goes, but you got great work ethic. I mean, tremendous work ethic. He's very, very intelligent and um, he's long. I mean, he's a, he's a big, he's a big human being and he's got long arms and he knows how to use those. He's got heavy hands, they'd say. So, um, and then it's just a matter of him getting used to the scheme Um you know, he's got a tremendous coach. And so um, he'll, he'll get all the fundamentals down and, and then he'll take it step by step and eventually go use them. Um, like I mentioned about Yang, I mean, it, it's rough on the O-line and D-line right now because they, they can't hit anybody and, and do their thing. So it's a versus a bag. <clears throat> and we'll go last to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Andy. Um, I want to ask a follow-up on, on Lucas Niang. What, just generally speaking, what, what are sort of the concerns about a guy that hasn't played competitive football in a year? Like what, what specifically does Willie have to sort of catch up on because he wasn't actually in game action? Well, he actually came in better shape than he probably was last year. You know, so that's a, um, that, that, that's a plus, you know, he's been doing stuff and, and, um, and so he came in and um, it looked like he got right back into it. Um, so I, for what we asked him to do, he was fine. He, he's a very intelligent kid. I think you guys know that, but he, he's very intelligent. So uh, just getting him back in the swing of things, I, I, it looked like he did that well. We'll start with Aaron Ladd with KSHB. Go ahead, Aaron. Hey, Nick. Welcome to KC. Got a couple of questions for you. First off, I'm wondering now that you've made the transition to the professional life, if you look back on your Mizzou career and think about something that kind of stands out and, and kind of what you built there. That's the first one. Oh, uh, yeah. So if I look back at Mizzou, uh, it's kind of I've been around my, my, my group that came in with us, uh, working with those guys every single day. Uh, it was a blessing. I uh, built uh, lifelong friendships with those guys, uh, guys I call and check in almost every day. Uh, so if I look back on that, it's probably the biggest accomplishment. I've been around those guys, uh, helping those guys uh, try to get to their end goal as well. Uh, it's probably the most thing I liked about being at Mizzou. And then you got a new number now. Is there a reason why you went with 54? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, just kind of an open option. I kind of liked it a little bit. Uh, a couple of my family members had it too uh, growing up. So uh, it's kind of just a family number. I just want to keep playing. Let's go next to Matt McMullen with Chiefs.com. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Nick. Uh, so I'm sure you're excited to get out there on the field. I'm just curious how much you've had a chance to get to know your fellow rookies so far and how excited you are to kind of build that bond with your fellow rookies. Uh, yeah, so I'm building a bond with those guys. Uh, I talked to them. Uh, we all sat at the same, uh, same spot. A couple of linebackers that came in, I'm kind of building a relationship with those guys as well. I uh, also played against a couple of guys, uh, a couple of Georgia guys, Tennessee, uh, Chase Smith. Uh, so I kind of played with those guys. Uh, so it's kind of all coming to the same area, uh, competing against each other. Uh, we did it for, uh, for three years uh, in college. And so just getting to compete with those guys here, uh, it's a blessing. Let's go to Sam. 
Go next to Herbie Tiope with the star. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Nick. Uh, good afternoon. You finally got your hands on the playbook here. Um, what are you hoping to, to do and, and prove these next three days of rookie minicamp and then setting up for OTAs? Uh, yeah, just trying to, uh, at the end of the day, just trying to grow and learn the playbook. I'm uh, not really trying to prove anything, trying to soak everything up. I uh, learned the basic fundamentals, uh, how to practice, uh, just how to become a Kansas City Chiefs and uh, be uh, a, a practice player. So I'm just doing that every single day. That's kind of what I hope to accomplish, uh, improving myself and learning the playbook uh, and also just learning how to be a Chief. You mentioned earlier that you've been in touch with some of the rookies. What about some of the veterans? Has Anthony Hitchens reached out to you? Uh, yeah, so I talked to Hitch. Uh, that's one of my guys. Um, he was actually down there in Dallas when I was down there. So uh, I text him uh, quite a bit. Uh, we talked a lot. Uh, so I'm just looking forward to building that relationship. Let's go next to Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin. So I'm curious, your, your your thoughts overall on the different linebacking spots. The Chiefs have said that you might play inside, you might play outside. What's what's your feeling about the difference between the two spots? Uh, right now, I'm just trying to learn the playbook. Uh, I don't really have a position. I'm just trying to learn as much as I can uh, throughout these next three days, uh, handing OTAs. I really don't know a uh, position. I'm just coming in every single day, uh, trying to compete, trying to get better, uh, and trying to expand my knowledge on the playbook. Let's go next to Matt Derrick. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Nick, you, you had a chance to come up after the, the draft to Kansas City, and now you're getting settled in. You've got a uniform in your locker. I'm just curious, what have the last couple of weeks been like getting you know to know Kansas City, and has there been a moment that you, know, you kind of have to pinch yourself that you're actually finally here in the NFL? Uh, yeah, so I probably still haven't done that yet. Uh, trying to soak it in the moment. I was trying to get everything up here, get everything settled in, uh, getting up here and trying to get myself a chance to compete. Uh, so just being uh, in Kansas City, I'm thankful to be here. I'm ready to get to work. Uh, other than that, uh, that's kind of just my mindset. That's how I've been. Uh, let's go right down the line. we got three left, starting with Darren Smith. Go ahead, Darren. Um, hey, Nick, uh, a couple quick questions for you. You know, you're in that Chief jersey in front of us for the first time. What's it mean to you to, you know, put on that jersey, that Chief jersey that you'll have on for the next uh, number of years? And then also, you know, you talked about getting getting together with, you know, learning the playbook. What are you hoping skill-wise to show these coaches this, uh, this weekend? Uh, yeah, so to start with the last one, um, just trying to show I'm a competitor. I just want to compete, uh, try to put, us, put myself in a position uh, to make plays uh, within the scheme. So that's kind of what my mindset's been. Um, and then what was your, uh, the first question you asked again? Oh, hold on, Nick. Let me unmute him real quick. There you go, Darren. Yeah, my first question was, you know, you wearing a Chief jersey. What's it mean to you to have that NFL jersey? And what's it mean to you to be a Kansas City Chiefs now that you have the jersey on officially? Oh, yeah, so it means a lot. A world-class organization. Uh, these guys have been winning for a while. Uh, they did it before I, I even got here. So just watching that, uh, being in Missouri, uh, watching watching these guys go out there and compete at a high level week in and week out, uh, play good defense, play good special teams, and, and be good on offense. So uh, it's just a blessing to be here. I'm just putting myself in position to compete. Uh, that's all I hope for. Let's go next to Harold Koontz. Go ahead, Harold. Nick, congrats on your first day. I kind of asked this question of many rookies. Uh, obviously, now you're in the NFL. You know, you're, you're, you're going to be a millionaire soon. Uh, you know, how many second cousins have you kind of got over the phone recently that have called you? And, you know, how many family members that you didn't know had your number called you? Uh, no, not, that's not really how my family really operates uh, to this point. Uh, just, they're kind of respecting my time, respecting what I'm trying to do. Uh, so they kind of uh, do what they need to do uh, on that ends of it. Uh, so I don't have any of my family to congratulate me a little bit. I had that. Uh, so I'm, I'm thankful for that. For my family members sitting there uh, supporting me uh, back at home. But other than that, though, uh, that's really all I got for that one. Let's 
And let's go last to Pete Sweeney. Go ahead, Pete. Hey, Nick, my question's uh, about Andy Hill. I was just curious, to your knowledge, how much he vouched for you to to get drafted here, and what have your conversations been like since coming aboard? Uh, yeah, so Coach Hill, yeah, I had the blessing uh, to have Coach Hill as a coach for me uh, two years, uh, my freshman and sophomore season. Um, or actually, yeah, freshman and sophomore season at Missouri. So uh, he kind of vouched for me uh, probably a lot, uh, being a, being down the street, uh, being able to coach me. Uh, so I appreciate him for that. But uh, since I got here, I just kind of welcomed me in, uh, trying to teach me a little bit on special teams as much as I can. I'm trying to suck up as much knowledge as I can from him uh, to put myself in position uh, to help us on special teams. So, uh, again, he probably vouched for me quite a bit, uh, being from right down the street. Nick, we appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem. Appreciate it. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus more stories that appear only on the website, like Mellinger Minutes. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. What a great time to subscribe. Read all about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. News, sports, features, commentary, analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national sports news and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So, Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting in supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back back on Tuesday with another episode. We're talking Royals tomorrow. Join us. Thank you. Thank you.